Filmmaker Commentary, episode 146. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Rush Hour, 1998, starring Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Yes, sir. What were the what was the budget and the box office for this film? So on a $33 million budget, Rush Hour came out and scored a worldwide box office of $245 million dollars well done that's a hit absolutely smash hit um did this movie get any kind of awards or anything like that it received several awards uh one being the alma awards for outstanding actress in a feature film by elizabeth pena the bmi film and tv awards for best film music by lalo Schifrin. The Blockbuster Entertainment Award, it lets you know this is definitely 90s. Yeah. I uh, won for uh, <laughs> best or favorite duo, I should say, for Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. The Bogey Awards for Bogey Award in Silver, uh, that's a, a, in Germany. I don't really know what that means. Uh, the Golden Screen Awards, also in Germany, it, it won that as well. And lastly, of course, MTV Movie Awards, Movie and TV Awards. Yeah. One best duo for, once again, Chris Tucker and one Jackie Chan. Yeah, MTV. They did, uh, when those music videos were out at the time for the soundtrack, I mean, you just kept seeing this movie over and over again in, the, in between the cuts of the music videos. Oh, yeah. Very popular music videos at the time. So it was like, yeah, it makes sense, MTV. I didn't realize that Brett directed that music video. Me neither. I was like, he did that one and the heavy D one. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, well, that's interesting to have these on here. And then I listened to the commentary. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, he was behind the camera. He was okay running this thing. So yeah. that's that's pretty cool. I was expecting to see the uh, the Jay Z one that was out. Can I get a what? what? Which is a, you know the song that Chris Tucker kept you know doing his thing too. Oh, yeah. touch my radio. But anyhow, before we talk further about Rush Hour, let's talk about news, TV, and movies watched. What you got in the news today? All right. So in the news, so this is kind of a little bit of sports related, but uh, uh, according to Deadline, Fox NFL Sunday broadcaster Terry Bradshaw, Hall mm-hmm. of Famer, uh, reveals that he has a cancer diagnosis of uh, being uh, free of cancer. Wow. So a little bit of uplifting good news on on that front from one Terry Bradshaw. You know, he's, you know, always out there doing doing his thing and True. he's always just kind of real lively and yeah. kind of a... Uh, Keep on ticking, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, box office wise, according to IndieWire, Smile. The uh, recent horror movie that 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 dropped this weekend uh, grosses twenty two million dollars at the box office. I've seen I've been seeing those trailers everywhere for the yeah. movie Smile. Okay, so uh, yeah, that one's out there. Everybody's ready for this October. You know, it, it's time. It's the come up season. Come on, ready to get scared. Mm-hmm. Isn't there like another Halloween about to be out too? Halloween ends. We shall see. 
I think I think this is you think this is it. Yeah, because I mean they they just they just had done they just literally had done one last year. Yeah, that dropped that was kind of day and date theaters and then on Peacock and this one will be the same way. It'll be in theaters and on Peacock. I'll probably catch it because I watched the previous one and that was wasn't bad. So I was like, okay. I just thought about that. I was like, maybe we should jump into the the next screen. Remember that was the Paramount screen. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, and it looked actually kind of good. I think my boy saw that and he said it was that it was pretty good. Okay, commentary. I think it does have commentary. Any hoot? All right, I will jot it down in the notes. Um, any more news? That's all I got. You got anything? I don't have news. Um, I have been watching some TV movies here and there. All right, but I'll got? keep it brief. All right. Uh. Well, recently, um, production team went out on a uh, shoot for about a week in Kansas City, and during that during our downtime, we were watching movies. One of those was Dune, HBO Max. Yes, um, <laughs> I said this Dune is like a portfolio piece; like every shot is beautiful. I was like, this is um, kind of long for me, and I also watched it at night, so we know how we do at night. <laughs> Uh, that that that's one that's a uh, yeah I'd recommend during the day. Yeah. If I if I'd have known, I would be like ah, you may want to uh, yeah. So I, I be put, rested. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I put that in my list of come back to come back to yeah, it yeah before mm-hmm. I make a, a full assessment on it. But it's definitely a portfolio film for sure. Well, uh, that's you know, uh, Denny via new wave. Yeah, and I mean you know if you've seen. Blade Runner 2049, you know how he gets down Man. His, with his shots. With just, that film, you don't even, if you could just listen to the music, the composer, you don't you don't even need dialogue for Blade 2049. <laughs> That's how beautiful it is. Sound effects and music, I don't need you to talk. Absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous film. And yeah, I, I watched Doom also, and it didn't really stick with me. I, I, wanted, I wanted to really like love it and be enthralled and impressed with it. Yeah. Good looking, but it was it was okay for me. It is yeah. not something I've I've, I've I've thought about honestly until you just mentioned it again now. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, oh, damn, it was. <laughs> but you know, they spent a lot of money on it. Yeah, you can, the money's on the screen for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, last night in Soho, watched that one. How was that, Edgar Wright? That one, the same situation. Watched it at night, um, but it's it keeps you engaged. Where'd you watch it? I mean, what uh, what uh, platform? Uh, was that Prime? I think we paid for that one. Gotcha. Um, yeah, but I also got to come back to that one because watch it at night. It was real late. Um, but like the last twenty minutes, I start. I was dozing in and out of, and I was like, ah. That's and that's like some good. of the, yeah, that's like some the of the be- some of the best stuff is happening right there. Like I wake up, I'm like, what? Wait a second, what? What, what happened? <laughs> now we moving? That's. The- <laughs> But it's Edgar Wright, so you already know how he shoots. It's, it's very well crafted. So I just got to come back to it. I'm, uh, I'm gonna give Dune and Last Night to oh, its um, official um, grades in another week. All right, still under review. Yes. Anything else? Okay. Um, while this was playing, we were like just because we got an Airbnb and Netflix was you know we had Netflix on just kind of playing. I forgot what we were watching, but. Out of nowhere, the TV show Dahmer starts playing. Oh, holy crap! Like it is dark. Yeah, it's rough. Well, I mean, he's he's not exactly fluff, you know, flowers and teddy bears <laughs> as a as a yeah. as an individual. Oh, man. 
dark. It, I mean, they captured the essence of the grossness and just everything. Do you remember, man, because I was like in junior high when, I think I was in junior high when the talks of Jeffrey Dahmer started to come about. So we're talking 92, 93-ish yeah. Yeah. When, when talks of this guy who was apparently, you know, he, he, killing and eating people and yeah. then under trial and then goes to jail and it's killed. I never heard anything like that before. And cause I think, I mean, no sounds of the lambs had already come out <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Hello, Claire. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I saw, I saw a couple of Netflix and I was like, I might, uh, I might dabble in uh, in oh, this. It's rough. You probably got to pray afterwards. Mm. Uh, it, it's rough because um, also I didn't know until later on as an adult that Dahmer was you know eating these black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh. and he was also um, he was gay. So like a lot of his lovers and things like that, he was killing. They just so I'm black. You know, man. Uh, so <laughs> that guy's trying to have it all. Have it all and. Um, people not know or not know that that community, especially like in, now I wouldn't necessarily say the gay community, but like, say if a man is paying for a prostitute and just so happens to be like, say a transgender or a black transgender or something like that. Sure. Uh, there was uh, a popular guy named Ed Buck, white dude. And a lot of the guys he was sleeping with were, were black, you know, homosexual guys, trans, some of them were transgender, stuff like that. And he, a lot of them would end up dead in his apartment, like, Wow, this is and this is new. This is recent, mm-hmm. and um, people were kept telling about this, kept telling the um, uh, the police and everything, but nobody really was like kind of paying attention. So it was like a like a people kind of turned the other way, especially when it's dealing with vice and things like that, or like sex workers in general. Sex workers in general, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, Ed Buck is a more kind of recent situation. Uh, he was like drugging these people and stuff like that. wasn't eating them, but drugging overdose things like that. Um, but man, the first two episodes, I was just like, this is dark. It's, it's put together well. And our guy from, uh, American Horror Story, do you remember, um, uh, the guy that plays the speedster and he's like, he runs like the flash, but he's a different character. Oh, Quicksilver. Quicksilver. That actor. Oh, Aaron Taylor. No, it's not right. I don't know his name. Aaron. Oh, wait. Okay. Wait. Okay. Because Quicksilver is in is in the Avengers franchise, and there's Quicksilver in the X Men franchise. Which X Men? X Men. Okay, that's Evan Peters. Okay, I believe his name is Evan Peters. He's also he was also in Kick Ass, and he's an American Horror Story. Mm. Did you see any American Horror Story episodes? I did, I did not. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. That, I thought that, you were watching some of that stuff. That series, I watched like the part of the very first one. Yeah, the first, I mean, yeah, he was in every one. I don't know. I. Every season, okay, you would know. Wow, um, I didn't know that. But if you watch any of those seasons, he's capable of going dark. <laughs> this he's, is dark. If he's, if he's a constant on that show, yeah, I, I do not doubt it. He's dark. So we're used to seeing him in this dark space, and so he plays Dahmer a little too well. And um, that's all I have to say about that. So if anybody's into it, I definitely recommend that. But it's a very dark subject matter, so uh, be prepared. Darkness falls across the line. <laughs> And my last one is Atlanta's back. Four episodes in. Wait a minute. Yes. Wait, like the because I've been seeing it pop up on Hulu. That's but the reason like, why it's like, been popping up. I was like, oh, the season's done. I'm like, why is this popping back up? There's new. So is, is this like a second episodes. part? Is this like second this part? This is of the, the final season. 
Holy smokes! I need to. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I was in a group text um, with the crew, and one of the guys was like, "Hey, you know Atlanta?" I was like, "Whoa!" Because it wasn't saying new; it was just there. Yep, I didn't know. They snuck it in. Thank you, Reginald. Yes. Thank you very much. Indeed, that's all I have. All right, thank you for sharing, Seth. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, there's been a couple things I've taken in. Uh, Abbott Elementary is a show I really enjoyed last year. What platform? Is that HBO? Uh, Hulu. Oh. That that show is, yeah, it, it's wonderful. Again, it's about elementary school. It's a it's a comedy, but it's having previously worked in, in, in education and been through a lot of different schools. It's really well done. Really well done. A lot, a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of laughs. And the young lady who's kind of the lead in it, you know, mm-hmm. she she. She was in the first season of a, of a black lady sketch show. Oh yeah, and then she didn't return, but it's because she was doing this show. She's got so, like a lot of shows, right? On the yeah, horizon. she's even doing like you know uh, skincare commercials. Like she's she's like on the come up. It's, okay. it's it's really cool to see hustle hustle. But the, you know, got the second season of Abbott Elementary. Uh, also, I watched Super Pets uh, on on HBO Max with voiced by uh, you know Dwayne Johnson and, and one Kevin Hart. That better be licensed or I'm going to freak. With Keanu Reeves playing <laughs> Batman and Krasinski playing Superman. What'd you think? It was it was pretty good. Yeah. Like, I was like, wow, this is... I didn't know what to, what to expect, but it's it's pretty well done. Yeah, it's pretty well done. And they, they got a couple of like, deep cuts in there. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed uh, Super Pets. Uh, also, mm, on Netflix, my mom had mentioned this to me. To watch it was uh, by Tyler Perry, uh, mm-hmm. the Jazz Man's Blues. Oh, really? Yeah, movie, movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, that solid was- movie set. Yeah, twenties, thirties, okay, ish or so. Okay. But with a a cool the the ending was like, oh wow, okay. But yeah, the Jazz Man's Blues. I won't I won't give anything away. But right. that right. was interesting. Mm. Recommended by mother. Recommended by mother. Uh, also. On Netflix, I came across this one on Friday. It's called Intergalactic. Dude, in the same... Okay, go ahead. Let you do your thing. It popped up on my... Animated, animated feature style, stylistically in the vein of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yes, absolutely. Ro- like romantic, like black love story. Awesome. You watched it? Yeah. Awesome. Why was it on last night? Like, uh, what were we watching? I don't remember. But Netflix was on, and then this thing just pops up as a ad. I was like, I didn't even never heard about this. It just dropped. I think it's recently dropped. Oh, this weekend? Like, I think so. Uh, it was like brand new. Like, I'm here. They promoted it. It was like, ah, you know I'll go and watch this. <laughs> the, you, the algorithm you, always knows. You, I know, right? Netflix, how do you know? But that's how I came across it. I'd, I'd finished something, and then it popped up, and I was like, hmm, hmm. The trailer was yes. so, yeah. I mean, speaks to everything, right? Yeah, man. It's It's... Yeah, very well done. Uh-huh. Very cool. It's it's beautiful. The music is really nice, and uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it. Okay. So yes, intergalactic. Interesting. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Also, I went old school today, and I watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original one. Okay. And again, Gene Wilder, man, I can't say enough about <laughs> Gene Wilder and his performance. In this film, the whole time he is, he's manic and eccentric mm-hmm. as this 
chocolate factory owner, but he's sharp as a tack and he is he is he is elusive in his wording as a businessman because he's he's endangering all these children and, and he actually <laughs> I hadn't seen it in so long. I didn't realize he had to like sign this, this like the big, waiver. This, yeah, this contract. <laughs> and like that, none of that would fly today. But it's all, t- it's like all done tongue in cheek. Like, yeah, I've been chewing on this gum for like 30 years. Oh, whatever he said. <laughs> yeah. But then like, uh, he's just, he's, he's, he's constantly like sliding these kids. Like, so, like this, what's one kid he thinks is a cowboy. Yeah. Says stuff and he sees he's loud or whatever. And he's like, Wonka says, why don't you open your mouth wider when you talk? As he, as the kids just yelled out something yeah. ridiculous, but he's, he's, it's so smart. He's so smart. Yeah. Uh, I, I got, I got a real trip out of it, but it's, it's, it's also heartfelt at the same time. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was a, it, it feels like a satire as a yeah, whole, even though sure. it's a family, I'm like, this is, this is a definitely a satire, but uh, yeah, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. You haven't seen it in a while. It might be worth giving a revisit. And it's uh, yeah. Gene Wilder is absolutely a, a magical within it. Day, sir. I said good day, sir. <laughs> I, I love that line. Um, also, still been enjoying the Laker Dynasty docuseries okay. on Hulu. Yeah. Like that has mm, been uh, wonderful to go through. The Patient also on Hulu with Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been a good one. That's a, okay. a, a series where he plays a psychologist and has a patient and gets abducted oh. by his patient. Oh, who is and trying his patients trying to make him help him while he's chained to a, a bed. I think we talked about this yeah. and I said but, misery. Mm. But it's, it's it's been it's been enjoyable because then like once the episode ends, you're like, oh, it's done already because it's just thirty minute episodes. You're like, yeah, ah, what? Those we're done. Are the best, Those yeah. Are the best. So it, it keeps you ready for the next. And then I've been watching quite a bit of Blackish, and I've because I, mm-hmm. I didn't watch it when it originally aired. Yeah, but I've really been enjoying that. Like the Last episode I watched was right after the initial election of of Trump. Oh, that's beautiful. And just like how they're touching on these topics. They, man, they're the way they're tackling these different topics, I, I found very refreshing, interesting, and it's been enjoyable, especially now with distance, being able to look back and hear mm-hmm. them talk about it. And yeah, so that's what I've been watching. In today's episode, is sponsored by... Natural Heather Movie by Grind Over Matter Films, available to stream on all black TV and for free on Tubi. Please check it out and leave a review. And now, let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Rush Hour, 1998, starring Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. And here is the synopsis. Flashy and brash, LAPD detective James Carter teams with Hong Kong agent Lee to rescue a consulate's daughter from a crime lord. As worlds collide, can fast talking and quick kicks get the job done? Rush hour. And that was written by Casey G. Smith. And if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. You've been forewarned. How did you watch this film? Actually, really quick, I want uh-huh. to make mention that if you're wondering why we're not covering Point Break, uh, yes, real quick, in reviewing and in preparing for for that particular episode, I had written down some different films that had commentaries, and when I transferred them to a different list, instead of writing down Point Blank, I wrote down Point Break, mm. and so I had full original the wrong film, and the original Point Break actually doesn't have a commentary track, so we pivoted. 
to Rush Hour. And here we are now. Yeah. Our bad, but you're welcome. It's, it's a good film. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yeah, 1988, this movie comes out. How do you go watch it? Yo, this is my graduation year. Wow. So, 98, yeah, with, with, with my peeps, we go to the theater. Mm-hmm. And we we enjoy, what, what, what month did this come out? Ooh. Was it the summer? Let's see here real quick. It sounds like an August. Yeah, if it, was, if it was Probably summer, I, it, I may have been. I feel like this is an August release. That's what I feel like. Let's see, because so. either I was in college already or... And it dropped in October. Yeah, I was in. I was in. I was at. I was in. I was here in the Metroplex. I would okay. have watched it. Yeah, would have went with a group of friends, uh-huh. gone to the theater and watched it. So I was in. I was in DFW when I saw Rush uh, Hour. So ninety eight. So ninety eight of yeah. October. Yeah. So it's a ninety eight ninety nine year. So would have graduated in May. Yeah, I was school, a junior. School started in September at at Northwood. So <laughs> yeah, I would already moved 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 my stuff, and been on campus in Cedar Hill, and we would have been. I probably went with my boy Hisashi. Uh, some guys from my dorm probably went, went and watched this. Yeah. But yeah, in theaters for sure. I know for me, that soundtrack, I was deep into the hip-hop scene. Music videos, I knew all the directors, everything, all the artists. Anybody's dropping something, I knew what was happening. Mm. And uh, when the Jay-Z song dropped for it, can I get up? And so that song was like being promoted heavily. And it had the clips from Rush Hour, in it. and I was like, "I'm just, I'm in just because of that," <laughs> you know. I remember that song dropped. That was a hot track. I remember in my dorm room with my little Iowa, Iowa sound system. Yeah, you know, come on the radio. Oh, gotta turn that up. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Can I get a what? what? Yes, sir. <laughs> but anyhow, um, yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty sure I went to the theaters to watch this. I just don't remember. Which, man, sometimes I wish I had a little photographic memory or that I wrote notes about my days. As a child, I had a few. I have a few times where I wrote in the journal, whatever. But um, certain days I wrote stuff down. But I wish I did that more. Um, I just know during that time, going to the movies quite a bit. Like yeah. that was like the thing to do. If we, you know, early days of college, yeah, if we weren't going to a party. It was like, well, let's, let's go to the movies. And, just, and plus, you know, when you're in new town for college, you're exploring the area. So we were checking out different theaters. We might go to. Arlington, we might go mm-hmm. to Grand Prairie, we might go into Dallas, we might go to Grapevine. So it yeah. was just, and I was, I wasn't driving, I was always riding, falling asleep and riding. So I just wake <laughs> up where we at. All right, cool. All right, let's 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 go. But <laughs> but yeah, rush but, hour. Yeah, it was definitely a hit, and it was just it just felt good, you know. After seeing uh, Chris Tucker and Friday, mm-hmm. and then seeing them like kind of transition over quickly into this, out because I remember Friday being in middle school I believe yeah middle school and then seeing him this being in high school it was like you know it's like a level like, dead president he already done dead presidents yeah and also the fifth element as well Ugh. what year was that <laughs> that was that was in the 90s also but that, that was before this that was before rush hour and he, it wasn't he was like a character actor kind of like not even the main character yeah but kind of showing his range like it was yeah. a like what's a, wow okay but that was showing rain. Like, all right, I wow, not, Hollywood, not 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 being in the box and, at all. Yeah, uh, what did you like or not like about this film? Uh, definitely liked the the humor, the action because I I I was a fan. Of, I mean, I, I knew about Jackie Chan when I was a kid. Yeah, the very first Jackie Chan movie I'd seen was called um, The Big Bad Brawl. Yeah, like my dad had rented it on VHS. See, I was like. 
who is this guy? Yeah, like I'd, sure. I'd love to. I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid, but I'd love to revisit that. But I was like just taken by by this dude's skill. So to mm-hmm. see him come over and make a major like U.S. film and team up with Chris Tucker again, who I had first discovered on Def Comedy Jam back in the day, and watch him, you know, again like make his transition in the movies. So I, I I enjoyed the humor. I enjoyed the action. Obviously, the soundtrack. You know, the plot is. You know, rewatch. I'm like, oh, the plot is pretty kind of kind of thin. Yeah, it's just basic. All right, kid. You know, Paint by numbers kind of. Yeah, plot. you know, rescue the kidnapped girl. The the two the two cops from different worlds, which mm-hmm. you know could literally be, you know, is is a is a very tropish kind of kind of thing. You 48 hours, you know, uh, lethal weapon. It, it's a, a big trope. Yeah, but it but it, it really works in this case. These two coming together. Yeah, man. Um, I really dug the score. I didn't realize how much the score played. So when I was playing the film, so I bought the trilogy. So I bought the trilogy. It comes with like five Blu-rays. And um, then the art is great on the trilogy. It's like it's redone in like this anime style. Mm. Uh, like how they wrote, how they did the art. Like they put some time into it. Okay. And they go back and some of the special features, they go back and talk about stuff. But um the score, so I don't know, for whatever reason, when I played the first Rush Hour, um, the audio, I guess it was like in 7.1, not 5.1 or something like that. So it didn't play correctly. Um, so I actually watched it on Netflix. Um, and, uh, on Netflix. Remember, at first, like no, Rush Hour was nowhere to be found, at least for like a couple months. And then I guess they just struck up a new deal to to re license it or whatever. And so now it's trending on Netflix. If you if you check it out, it's, huh. it's trending because uh, I was looking for it. I think we ended up purchasing at one point in time because the kids wanted to watch it. Um, but this movie's still making money. Uh, but for whatever reason, it wasn't working in seven in the seven point one audio. I would just hear the music and certain sound effects. Like I couldn't, and it's cause, probably more because of my system isn't in seven point one, so only certain sounds came through. I was kind of disappointed about that, but when I played the commentary, everything went through. I could hear voices and da da da. Everything else played fine, but the main movie for rush the first rush hour wasn't playing correctly in my system. Interesting. I had to pay like thirty dollars for for the Blu-ray. I was like, hmm, what's going on here? What's, what's going on? Um, but I got a chance to see the score, listen to the score. I mean, and the music plays is very vital to this. You know, as soon as it comes on. It gives you like that, I guess, honk. It doesn't seem like cheesy uh, Asian music. Right. It, it's like, it feels like it's part and it brings you in. It's, it's like it's got its own style. Uh, so going from uh, Carter to uh, Jackie Chan's character is like Lee. Lee. Uh, going from those two characters, it's uh, how they did the score is beautiful. Even during like some of the, the fight sequences when we first see Jackie Chan. Um, the score is kind of there. That dude is playing right along with everything that's going on in the, in the, uh, that scene. So, well, I really enjoyed the score on this go around. I wonder how much of that has to do with, with Brett Ratner and his background with music videos yes. of getting things to sync up yes. with, you know, with the music. Yeah. Stars with some of the action. So, um, cool. Yeah. It felt magical in that way. Um, sometimes I felt like, like or just not like you know sometimes Chris Tucker's character is like kind of more like goofy or buffoonish sometimes but that's more of a personal preference I think uh, sometimes you got to be careful with that character you know especially dealing with uh, African Americans sure 
because uh, we know with like with Beverly Hills Cop, we knew that Eddie Murphy's character was a smart character, mm-hmm. borderline genius in a way. And but when we go to Chris's character, he's sometimes an idiot. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 overly he's brash. I mean, he yeah. he he is he is brash and. Yeah, that's kind of who, who his character is. He, he's, he, he at times is a, is a, a bit of a idiot. Now, does he does idiotic things sometimes? Where he lets his ego take take over, whereas Axel Foley's always in control. Yeah, he's always in control. He's several steps ahead. Yeah, whereas Carter will sometimes maybe like rush in, maybe yeah. like, uh, and uh, not 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 quite as ahead. What were some of the special features? Did you watch, did you go through the special features on this? Yes, sir. On this Blu-ray. So, on my copy of the Blu-ray, we have the commentary by Brett Radner. We have some additional scenes, try deleted, you know, deleted scenes. Um, then there was a piece of the action behind the scenes of, of Rush Hour, a featurette gallery. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think I, I went through that. I don't think I went to the gallery. Yeah, with galleries, I'm like, ah, no, I'm okay. The commentary, though. Tell me what you thought about the commentary for the special features. Uh, they were helpful just to mm-hmm. have that again, especially when it came to the the, the two music videos that are on here mm-hmm. for both, you know, Drew Hills, How Deep Is Your Love For Me and uh, the late, great Heavy D's, mm-hmm. I Got Nothing But Love For You, which, man, like the women in that video, gorgeous. I did also watch, so speaking of tie-ins, you know, how directors like to kind of reuse like different different uh, actresses or actors. Yeah. I did watch his his original short film that he made when he was in college. Oh yeah. That, um, whatever happened to Mason Reese. Yeah. And within that, he has Rebecca Gayhart, who mm. back in the day when I was in high school, she was known as the Noxima girl. Uh, she was doing these Noxima commercials, right. but she's also in license to drive with Corey Heyman, Corey Feldman. Good old Rebecca Gayhart. Wow. And she's also in the music video for heavy D. She's like the white girl. Like, yeah. like the only white girl in there. Yeah. Like one of them. But now it makes sense because again, she worked with Bray Ryan way back in the day yeah. with his first um, feature. Is his his film he made for film school, uh, his short film. And you even hear uh, Chris Tucker in the movies like, "Ain't that the Noxima girl?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that was again. That was it. People like, "Oh, the Noxima girl." That was when I was in junior high. But then again, License to Drive came out. Maybe a little bit before after that. No, but. It would, Anyway, but yeah, so yeah, Rebecca Gayhart. Um, and there actually is an isolated score with commentary by the composer. Yeah. So, huh. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to listen to that commentary, but I, I would say with Brett Ratner's commentary, A+. plus. I mean, he has that energy, like I don't you know where you get this energy from, um, but he, he is like nonstop. You know, just talking, 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 talking. Jackie Chan even talks about him talking, 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 talking a whole lot. But it sometimes it can be annoying. But specifically for commentaries, it's highly useful. And he is talking the filmmaking language. Yeah, absolutely. It, it you know, I had taken down my notes a week ago. Yeah. So it's been a been a while. I mean, to think about, I like it. I was like, no, I've got quite a new, quite a few notes from it. So yeah, yeah. he was he was very thorough with his insights even on the actors themselves and his uh, relationship to them and how they approach different things uh yeah very very insightful mm-hmm. i want mr mr ratner it's a solid solid commentary and you can tell he enjoys what he does and you know he knows his stuff yeah man talks all the way to the end of the credits and i'm still listening while he's talking through the end of the credits i'm like well done a plus ratner 
Yes, yes sir. What? Um, how do you feel they uh, reached their tone in this movie? Tone. Well, again, this is this is a action comedy. Yes, yeah. this, this is the action comedy buddy cop with a couple little twinges of, of of drama to to ground it here and there. But again, this is the action comedy buddy cop film. Mm-hmm. Um, when the movie opens out, we, when it opens up, we see uh, it's dark, and we see Jackie Chan like being a ninja. You know what I mean? Like straight up being a ninja. Like we don't know who's taking over and slapping these people and kicking them and stuff like that and in and out of windows and stuff like what's going on? And then uh, he confronts the villains and take off the face like, oh, Jackie Chan. Uh, is it Detective Lee or Special Agent Lee? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know his official title. I call him, I'm calling him Agent Lee. Um, and so we see, oh, snap, it's Jackie Chan like whooping some butt, getting the bad guy. Well, they got away. But, you know, slapping people up, rested a few. But uh, the main people get away. So we see that he's like a badass. Then cut to Chris Tucker. Hey, man, you know, doing all the kind of like Eddie Murphy kind of stuff. I was about to say that. Yeah, very (laughs) much so doing the undercover, doing the undercover work. Yeah. In the in the in the urban setting. Yeah. That uh, the 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 detectives are are, are known to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so we see that and we're like, okay, so this is like we see that uh, uh, Detective Lee or Special Agent Lee is real serious about his job and his culture and things like that. And we see, you know, contrasted with, uh, Chris and he's, he, he's quiet. Like he's going yeah. in stealth. Yeah. Minim, pretty much, you know, minimal property damage where we get agent Carter. Yeah. Oh God. Like, you know, trying to do the impossible shots, blows up the stuff in the trunk and, and like never, let's mention that two sh- cops got shot. You know what I mean? In the process of this yeah. shot in the hand. Other one, I, get shot in the heart or something. I don't know. They were both shot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but so you see like it's, and the director talks about it a little bit, it's grounded in reality, but even though it's funny, it's actually pretty serious. You know, you, it's like, you kind of stop for that, Chris, for that kind of like sequence. It seemed like they kind of stopped for some jokes here and there, but it was like moving forward. So it seemed like it was more balanced in like a realistic kind of world. And then the comedy was like kind of thrown in versus like just being everybody funny and hilarious. Sure. And I think that's in these buddy cop films, that's pretty, pretty common. You know, whether it's like a lethal weapon mm-hmm. where spoiler alert, like in the opening scene, <laughs> there's a, uh, you know, a, a lady who, who throws herself off of a building. Yeah. Um, you know, or, or 48 hours. Like there, there are these, these twinges of where there's, there's something that that kind of grounds it and gives it some weight where you know that there are stakes within yeah. it. And mm-hmm. this this film has some of those moments when they go to infiltrate that one building that where they think they're going to kind of preempt the the ransom and, and go and take the building. And, yeah. But there's a bomb in there and it ends up exploding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you definitely have those moments of of real tension. Because mm-hmm. I think I don't I'm pretty sure there's some where I think people might have leaned heavier on the comedy and it just falls on its face. It could have did that, you know, it could have been like, let's do jokes. <laughs> I haven't seen the, I, I, I remember I saw the first sequel. I don't think I've seen the third rush hour, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that they probably lean more into the humor as, as they progress. Through. Absolutely. Just, that's, that's an assumption that that's probably what happens. Yeah. I've watched all of them. Yeah. One and two are the best uh, films. Uh, my kids like two. I like more one, um, but 
Yeah, they, they dial up the comedy a little bit more. Yeah, because once you establish the characters and they've got this history, then there's like this expectation to to have them in this lane of, okay, do more of that because, you know, of course more is more. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes less is more. Yes. But uh, I do like how two picks off, picks up, like, you know, they're going to China, you know, so... Hey, let's you know let's let's uh, follow them while they're in this new world, and so it actually right. works out. Uh, Carter's in this new world. Yeah, Carter. Yeah, you know My now bad. now Lee is home. <laughs> yeah, and now 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 you're flipping now you're flipping it again. Mm-hmm. So new world for us, but um, yeah, I want some Mushu. <laughs> so uh, that was yeah, all fun, all fun and games. But yeah, you're right, man. They turned up the comedy in those last ones, but I mean, you got the franchise, and you got to do what you got to do. Yes, sir. Um. Do you, oh, I do have like this one section, you know, sometimes I call the director point of view. Yes, sir. And I just so happen to have a couple bullet points. This isn't always all the case, but sometimes we have talkative directors that have their point of view. Um, so he says that um, he mentions, uh, phys- he uses the like physical comedy of Jackie Chan and the verbal comedy of Chris Tucker to make uh, the script better. <laughs> So, you know, like, you know, later on, he talks about how, like, the script was bad. Um, he didn't tell, like, the American people that, but that's how he sold it to Jackie Chan. Uh, that script's bad, but he actually relied on Jackie Chan's physical and, and Chris Tucker to push this movie through. Because you said, you know, it just, from a story standpoint, it's just, like, kind of pretty basic. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty thin. Yeah, and I agree. I was just like, hmm, this is cliched up. But Chris Tucker's going to use his... His comedy and improv skills and Jackie Chan is going to bring his physicality into the film, which is a language in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, Even though Chan was very nervous about how much English he was going to have to speak in the, in the film and and Ratner got him to, to kind of, you know, no, let your, let your accent come through. That's, that's going to be part of the character. Mm -hmm. So I think you should check out part three because it's interesting to see his arc, uh, Lee's arc because he speaks a whole lot more like in Rush Hour 3 and things like that and like he some of the way things that he does is like more American and so you know they're they're friends now huh and so when when Chris Tucker does something he's like ain't my fr- I don't know you know like just like <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Chan is like kind of dropping the lines that normally you would see Chris Tucker do and it's like oh. I think also after Rush Hour that also raised that for a lot of audiences that may have been their first exposure to Jackie Chan yeah and then opened up more American films because he, he began to have more films in, in America after that yeah. like you know Rumble, Rumble in the Bronx or which actually I think Rumble in might the Bronx might have been before or around the same time yeah Rumble in the Bronx may have come before or maybe slightly afterwards and then Rumble, oh. Rumble in the Bronx actually I think might be might be a movie he did in Asia but then it was like dubbed over potentially yeah it's a little bit uh, I, th- I thought that was like mid or early 90s that maybe. one was Spectacular, yo! Especially when you get those behind the scenes of all the injuries that you know, I mean, he had kind of broken his foot or anything. He had a boot cast on, but it had the special like stretchy jeans around it to look like it was still normal. That dude's wild. Chan, yeah, Chan is the truth, man. Yeah, um, he anything, said. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say anything else on his uh, point of oh, view. Oh, point of view. He said this is an action comedy shot as a thriller. Mm. Um, he said in order to do that, the pacing must work, and if you stop and to tell jokes, then it doesn't work. Yeah, remember him saying that. And uh, he said that he wanted to shoot it as simplistic and realistic as possible. So no cheating, like with sped up cameras, nothing that you would see like in a Hong Kong shoot. He didn't want to 
uh, do that no jump cuts or timeline cheats he wasn't trying to copy the style of some of the kung fu stuff uh, but he wanted to shoot it realistically nice and so that's his point of view and how he wanted to approach it um, do you have like any favorite scenes or any memorable scenes that pop up so uh, <laughs> when the police captain decides to send Carter to the FBI assignment yeah. and when, when Carter is calling him back and, and the whole office is in there with the police chief because yeah. you know they they know he's a blow basically that that, that car is a blowhard yeah and they're just having they're just just cracking up laughing uh, at the fact that they gave him this you know crappy assignment uh, yeah that just stood out to me yeah those guys and uh, that's so real quick that's also that difference between Axel Foley and Carter mm-hmm. Axel Foley is constantly getting over on his chief yeah you know you know Foley what the hell you know <laughs> whereas. Here, the chief is giving over on Carter. Yeah. You know, Carter thinks he's running things, but he's he's, he's absolutely not. At all. Um, of the memorable scenes, because the first two, the introduction of both of our characters, I mean, that's just fantastic. <laughs> you know, car blows up and he's dancing with Michael Jackson in the background. I mean, yep. that's a heck of an opening. Um, uh, towards the end, when Jackie Chan does that stunt, when he's falling and then the, the flag, like Chris... Uh, uh, direct Detective Carter has the flag, and he's like trying to catch Lee with as banner. he's falling down. Oh my goodness, that looks rough. Mm. So one of my favorite scenes is when when Jackie Chan does the parkour move up the wall. Oh and, yeah, and, and sitting on top, and then turns yeah. the camera. Like when I, was, when I first saw that, I was like, "Yo, <laughs> that I just I, he's so quick, like a cat, like ping, 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 boom, I'm up yeah. there." And he's you know he's Jackie Chan's not a tall guy, no, but he is explosively powerful like he he's parkouring before parkour was like a thing yeah it's like no Chan Chan's got it yes yeah and I like how they shoot with like some of those with the wide angle so you can see the full stunt and mm-hmm. that's like a Jackie Chan thing you know being able to see the actor do every single thing in that frame and you're gonna see his face it, it is Chan Absolutely. doing it it's uh, like, a, like I don't know who his stunt double is uh, I think one of the guys on his team occasionally works as one of his doubles, but these are guys he's worked with for like decades. Yeah. And for him, it was refreshing in this film because the studio was like, well, no, cause they, they've seen all those outtakes, all the injuries that he gets. They know like, this is one of the safest experiences that he's had uh, because they wouldn't let him be in danger in essence. Dude, uh, they mentioned that there was a, like in that first sequence when they're dealing with all those cranes and, and carts that one of them weighed a certain amount of tons and was like inches away from crushing Jackie Chan's head. Yeah, because he slipped. I saw that cut. Like I saw, like you can see it when he, when he goes down. You can see the cut. And I'm like, hmm, what happened there? Like, <laughs> but then you see him jump, 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 and get off of it. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been a nervous wreck as a director. That's I couldn't. what the studio was sitting like. Oh, whew. can you imagine that? You can't live that down. Jackie Chan dies on your set. Oh my gosh! No, in America, it's first no. no. Yeah, you, you don't want that on your blood. Man, you that's know. that's a war. You probably would have started <laughs> a world war. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, it would have been a uh, no. Thank God. Oh, thank God. That would have been not not good at all. But I mean, how <sighs> many? I mean, how many? Gosh, when you see some of his other outtakes from other films, he gets close a lot. I mean, falling like I think he has major a, heights. He's broken like every bone in his body. He has a um, two guardian angels. <laughs> 
with him. He's Wolverine. If he wasn't a good he's, guy, he would have been dead. He has a healing factor like yeah. Wolverine or something because he's. I've seen some outtakes. I'm like, oh no, that's that's it. That's, that's it. That, that should be a wrap, bro. Yeah, if he wasn't a good guy, he would have been dead already. Did you ever see him in The Foreigner? His film came out a few years ago. Oh mm, no, I'm mixing that up with Jet Li. Yeah, that was that was an interesting like. It was a darker role, yeah. That that he's in. I didn't see that. And one. It's basically thinking like his daughter had gotten abducted or something like that, and he's he's like a, a desperate father, and oh no, he, he yeah he's dressed kind of like almost like almost like he's homeless like. But anyway, that's a tangent. But that was cool seeing him in that role because he was like, whoa, Chan going dark. Yeah, that's a scary. Which thing. doesn't happen, you know, because he's always cognizant of his fans, which are kids and younger people, and. And I definitely appreciate that because you don't ever see him like punch somebody in blood is like, you know, <laughs> spraying against the wall or anything. It's always like kind of like a cartoon. Sure. Yeah. But this, he, he went dark. Him, I, think, I think Pierce Bronson was also in it. Uh, another scene, the bar scene, you know, where yeah. he shows up there and, uh, you know, one, one of the first part, you know, with Chris Tucker talking with his, yeah. uh, his cousin, I think it's his cousin. And, uh, you know, they're joking around doing their thing, and once Chan leaves, and okay, then, you know, they kind of, you know, he breaks character with them, and then Chan's at the bar, and then he uh, unwittingly says the, you know, what's up, my? He drops the N-word. With an A. He yeah. said, nigga. But, dude, during the, uh, the, the retrospective documentary of special features, he says, yeah, I said, what's up, nigga? I was like, ah, Jackie Chan, what, you can't see the ER. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, give him a pass. He's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. We keep Not an his. eye on that pass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is temporary. Yes. You wouldn't have to <laughs> change it to a temporary pass. <laughs> Into further investigation. Yes. So yeah, we had to downgrade the status of your pass for now. But uh, after some review, we'll uh, get back to you with the decision. <laughs> um, you got any, any other favorite memorable scenes? No, nah, there's plenty here, but I, I'm ready to go to tropes. All right. Let's go to tropes. What you get? Mm, uh, shaking somebody down for information. Yeah, that was, that was Carter all day. Yeah, uh, in particular when they when they revisit the guy in jail, mm -hmm. uh, that guy who's who was in Best of the Best and also Sean was in, Penn and in Footloose. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. When they shake him, shake him down. But the fact is, a twist to it where when they when Chan shows him the picture of the girl. When Lee detect when Agent Lee shows him the picture of the girl, he's like, "I don't care about any of this stuff. I care about the girl." And the fact that that is what—it's not coercion; it's just something emotionally. Like I thought that was a cool twist to see the mm -hmm. the criminal say, "Okay, look, I'll give you information out of sympathy." Another trope: um, white vans. Anytime you see a white van, that's danger. And this white van pops up at least three or four times, throwing mm. a kid or somebody into this into the van, slide door open, get in, white van, come on. Anytime you see that, you're in trouble. Mm. The uh, oh, hanging by your fingers. Uh, yeah, who can hang by their fingers? Number one, yeah. on rock climbers. That's that's about it. Yeah, uh, only Jackie Chan and rock climbers. Mm. Nobody else has that kind of grip. Especially you go like when you go to the one arm like. Yeah, just for the extra drama, ah, that man. It's not even just your fingers. I'm talking your 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 shoulders, man. Like mm. that. Come on, that's that's rough. Yeah, that's uh, that's unrealistic. But you know, fight or flight, or you know, climb climb or fall. Hang for your life. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you might find something that you didn't know was there. Dude, I seen it was 
on YouTube. So you see uh, Jackie Chan hanging onto the Hollywood sign. How many feet is that? Probably like 20 feet in the air or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've seen a YouTube video of a guy climbing up one of those. <laughs> and you know he's on drugs. Something's wrong. He falls. I saw. I've seen that. He lands on his ankle. Yeah. And, and then he tries to like walk it off like he's cool. <laughs> and I'm like, you big dummy. You can, you can actually hear it snap. It's like. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I'm like. Oh. Yeah, that was that was dumb. Yeah, okay. that's that's rough because he was like going on, zoop, cram, like ah, and he gets up. Nah, son, nah, son. Uh, talking about tropes, uh, the pool hall. How many times have you seen a fight in a bar or in the pool hall in the buddy cop movie? Yeah, you know, forty. I think forty eight hours. And just yeah, you're right. The the pool hall fights are. There's something about. The table's there. There's something about the, the sticks. Like, oh, we already got weapons. All right, let me take this. Let me break this. Or let me spin around and whack, 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 whack. Hit people in the face. Let me throw somebody over a table or onto yeah. the table. Yeah. Someone's going over the bar. Oh, yeah. Oh, that too. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> That's a trip. 100%. I've never seen somebody take uh, one of the pool balls and hit somebody in the hands with them, though, like Jackie Chad did. They smack. Ah! But he's, he's good at doing that, like disarming his opponents. Uh, in particular, speaking of that, another memorable scene is when he, when he first gets into the into the FBI's headquarters, and he pulls a move where he grabs the guy's gun yeah. out of his belt and the, grabs the whole holster. Yeah, and then while that's happening, he 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 cuffs into the steering wheel, and then pulls out the gun out of the holster on the other guy. Yeah, it's just so quick and smooth. It's like man, well done. In that pool hall fight, when when Jackie Chan when he. Finishes it off because he has like the pool sticks under his armpits. He's like, you know, whatever maneuver those are called. When he hits the last guy across the face, that looks real. That looks dangerous. That looks like it happened. Mm. It. <laughs> they Ratner said that that was, I think, a tougher one for them to shoot because Jackie said used to working with his own guys, and none of these guys were his guys. Yeah. So they had to, you know, do a little extra to make sure that that worked out for him. He's like, he hit them dudes. Like, when you just look at that last shot, when he takes the last cue, the pool stick, and goes smack right across his left side of his jaw, it looks like he hit him for real, but uh, it works. Hey. <laughs> um, also, again, another trope, the bad guy falling. To his death. Yep, bad guy falling to his death. That's beautiful. It's uh, hey, a, lot, a lot of bad guys go that way. That's true. The way, the way of the fall. Hanging on to the vest. <laughs> your bad guy don't go up. Speaking of villains, stand your feet. Speaking of villains, the British accent on the villain, unexpected. Oh, he's the bad guy. I thought he was the good guy, talking all elegant and cool with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, reminds me of uh, our boy from Die Hard, Hans Gruberman. Yes. Yes. Oh, speaking of that, Die Hard. Have you been watching the recent episode, recent season of Ricky and Morty? I haven't, I haven't watched any of it yet. Okay. But I, I might... Uh, Just remember that. Die hard. Okay. <laughs> That's all I have for tropes. All right, that's all I got to. What do you have for quotes? Never touch a black man's radio, boy. <laughs> that, I mean, that's... That is a classic. When, uh, and that's Chris Tucker, when, um, or Agent Carter, when he's talking to his probably would-be partner, the lady friend that's, you know, kind of helping him out in the in the department. And he's just our first time being introduced to her and they're talking. And he's like, 
she said something like, that's why you're getting suspended or something like that. And then she turns around and he was like, who's playing? Somebody thought she was going to be suspended. Like he was like, he was seriously concerned. And that's a, that's, that's a Chris Tucker delivery. Yeah. Man, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, not that, you know, okay, you, you got to be joking. I'm not sure that you're joking. Yeah. Hey, you really serious about this, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's this layer yes. of, of performance. Like Absolutely. From, from, from vibrato to uncertainty to fear. Yeah. Somebody tells you it's going to be spending. Agent Carter says to one of the FBI agents, when they I think when him and Lee are coming back to the place to get inside and the agent gives him some attitude, and he's like, you take your old sensitive ass back there. <laughs> just, just his response to the guy, I thought, I don't know, that, it made me laugh. It's great. Uh, this is a lot with, with uh, Tucker, but um, when uh, uh, when he's with Jackie Chan and they're all getting some food out to eat, you know, he's negotiating with one of the guys. And he said, can we get something better, than, like some fried chicken or something? And then he, he said, man, that look like grease, man. How you going to sell a big box of grease? Mm. <laughs> Just his delivery is great. Oh, so this is when, again, when, when Chan and and when Lee and Carter are, are in Carter's car and you know, they put on some music and Carter's like, what you know about war? You know, when the song, <laughs> yeah. you know, war, huh, when that song is playing and then Lee's like, everybody loves war. You know? And then, <laughs> so now you have this, this link yeah. like, forming between the two. You think their worlds are so far apart. Yeah. A little bit of music. Okay. What a dizzy goo for. Absolutely not. And he's very. You are. He's very. He's like hitting every syllable, trying to hit every syllable yeah. of it. Versus the. Good <laughs> uh, While they were talking in the car, uh, Agent Carter and Lee. Lee. Um, Lee is like just asking them, like, hey, man, I need you to take me here, you know, et cetera. And then uh, Carter was just like, man, I ain't getting fired for nobody. You going to pay my bills? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> he knows that his assignment is to keep him away from the girls and all that stuff. Well, from uh, I forgot the uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, the a uh, the Asian. I don't know what his title Consulate. was. Consulate. Hello. It was in the synopsis. But um, yeah, keeping him away from him. Which is so weird. Because anyway, but yeah, I'm trying to. Thinking that they knew best. Yeah. America. Uh, when, when when Tucker is asking that guy if he has more than just a big box of, of, of grease, and the guy says, I know punk bitch. <laughs> just like out of out of nowhere. That was a that was a thing during that time. Like that that line coming up um with more kind of like foreign characters mm-hmm. in the hood selling selling goods. Oh, for sure. No I, say, I know punk bitch. Yeah. Compton. Um when Agent Carter uh, finds his way to the white van to save, uh, what's the little girl's name? Ooh, her name Suhan. Is it Suhan? Suhan. It is. So he he's going to the to the van to yeah Su Su Young Su Young Su Young. So he goes to save Su Young in the in the in the van in the white van, <gasps> and we see that she has a vest on with C four on her, and Carter was like. About taking it, about to take it off of her, and she's like, "No, no, no! I heard." Uh, well, she, no, no, no. She's like, "No, no, don't take it off." And then he's like, "I think it'd be safer if I take it off," <laughs> you know. 
And then she goes and explains, like, no, it has, you know, I heard that it was bomb on it. He's like, okay, yeah, let's, let's, it'll be safe if we keep it on. There we go. So during that time when 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 the bomb is is an, is that there's a bomb in the building towards the end and and he you know Carter gets up and he's trying to get everybody to clear the room and one lady's running like titties 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 get those titties out of here. <laughs> what I didn't know is the director was going to do a close up shot of a woman with some big breasts like bouncing around and stuff ah. like that, and they said no, that's in bad taste. And knowing Brett, not knowing Brett, but seeing how his career, you know. Excuse me. Um, it's interesting that he would do that, but hey. So here's something interesting because you, when you had mentioned that to me, that he had gotten into some trouble. I, I hadn't looked into it, but yeah. it's fascinating. In one of the things in the behind the scenes documentary, mm -hmm. that the main Latina actress in the in Rush Hour, she mentioned how when she was preparing to do that scene where she's doing the practicing the bomb diffusion. Mm -hmm. She she had studied kind of what they wear, and she had had like the protective vests on, but like with nothing underneath it. And so she thought it would be a funny joke to to go up to Brett like that. And she said when she did that, she said he got really embarrassed. And it was like, no, don't do that. That that's 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 not funny. Whatever. And she and she was she was surprised at how kind of shy he was about the, how uncomfortable he got with that. So anyway, that was that was fascinating to. To hear her say that, mm -hmm. and then you make a mention of kind of where things have, <laughs> things have gone. Yeah. Now Wonder Woman says no. Yikes. Things change in Hollywood, huh? Indeed. <laughs> there is, a, uh, towards the last sequence, we see that um, Jackie Chan and the villain, they're battling it out. And then there's a briefcase that opens up with money. The money falls out everywhere, you know, in this, this museum. And then it's falling from the sky and we see Agent Carter like, Grabbing the money. He's like, thank you, God. Mm. <laughs> There's a scene, and I, I'm remiss of where exactly this, this line came from, but uh -huh. I'm pretty sure that Carter says it. Somebody may, may ask, like, what, what do you want from me? Something like that. And I think he, he says, tell your friends about me. Oh, wow. That is directly from a 1989 Batman film. Ah. Because two weeks ago, I went with some buddies. It was Batman Day. Uh -huh. and I went with two of my buddies. We went and watched the 89 Batman movie in the theaters. Yeah. And that was like the, one of the first lines. He's like, you know, I want you to tell all your friends about me. So when I heard it, I'm like, oh. Fresh. Yeah. I caught that. But that's, it. that's, that's where that's from. Because otherwise the line wouldn't, it wouldn't have any context. But that's, that's where it's from. Tell your friends about me. We all take from other films. Indeed. Nothing new under the sun. One of my last quotes. Um, also, that villain is holding on for his dear life. He falls out of the sky into the water. God, it's probably like 200 feet or something like that. Falls to his death. And then as soon as he splashes in the water and dies, uh, Chris Tucker's like, Woo, you know he did. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, we got to mention, I guess maybe the most famous line from the movie mm -hmm. is when Carter first meets Lee coming off the airplane. Yeah. And literally says, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Classic. Yeah, in the trailer, for sure. Yeah, everywhere. Please everywhere. tell me you speak English. Mm. What else you got for quotes? That's it for quotes. Trivia. Trivia. I only got a couple of these. I have... I got a couple. Uh, so, Brett actually flew to South Africa to meet with Jackie Chan initially to convince him to 
do the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I could add to that. It was just like in that whole con- that whole conversation, it was his job to convince you know Jackie Chan to work on an American film. But unbeknownst to us is that Jackie Chan was well us the regular general audience but Brett Redner was doing his research and he read all these articles in Jackie Chan and basically Jackie Chan was like I would never do a film for uh, for American because for whatever his reasons were you know and he said he wouldn't do it and and he would later mention that when American directors would come to him or whoever was pitching him the idea they would just be like this is the best script ever this is the best script like that's how that was their sales approach but Brett was more like hey this is not a good you know, it's not a good script, but I feel like with this and this, it could we can make it work. And Jackie Chan went with that, accepted it because he was he said that. You know, he's like, this is not the best script. And so I guess he trusts him a little bit more. And just, and keep in mind, Brett was like twenty six years old. That's also to some degree within within like a, in some Asian communities and, and lifestyle. You know, there's a. It's uh, it's not it's not always necessarily about the analytical aspect of the decision or the logical aspect of making the decision, but it's partially about kind of how it feels. And I'm I'm not I'm not explaining the philosophy totally correctly, but part of it is is about a, a feeling. Like does does this feel right? Mm-hmm. Uh, does this match up? I, I experienced some of that in in a company that I that I worked for as far as how some decisions were made. Sometimes it was it was being you know American Western minded Western minded. I'm thinking okay. Does this logically make sense? But some decisions were weren't, weren't made for that sake, but more so for okay. Does this does this feel right? So that uh, for him, it had to had to feel right. Um, another uh, trivia is that the scene where where where's the there was an Asian guy with the blonde hair, short buzz cut, and they're right. following up the building. Jackie Chan's following. Him. Chris Tucker's finally got up to the building. They're all following him. And then this guy has an axe and, and throws it across the scene at him. So apparently, uh, Brett, he said he stole that whole scene from the French Connection. Yes. You ever seen the French Connection? I have not. Popeye bl- Doyle. Blind Spot. Yeah, from the, from the 70s. One of the, one of the most famous car chase scenes in uh, cinema history. Oh. <laughs> I wonder if Death Proof. I think Quentin might have... Mention that one in death. Mm. Gene Hackman doing his thing. Like he's a anyway. All right, it's a tangent. All right, another <laughs> bit of trivia. <laughs> that, I think that's that, I think that's one of the commentaries where it's a recommended commentary. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, that's I, one I, he's tapping the phone line and stuff, right? Uh, it was a while ago when I saw okay. it, but that's I think we if we do a '70s run of films, boom, that one's got to be on it. But I think we should do a '70s run anyway. Indeed, uh, sir. Jive turkey. <laughs> Uh, I can dig it. I can dig it. <laughs> so Chris Tucker is very competitive, and he wanted to be a better cop oh. than Eddie Murphy. Okay, if it's not on the page, it's not on, on the stage. stage. <laughs> Good luck. I don't. I don't have any more trivia. Okay, I got some more. Uh, Chris and Jackie both hit it off very early on. Yeah. Uh, Brett attended NYC Film School. Ooh, let me add an addition to that. Hey, so so he went to NYU, but um, for his short film, he reached out to a lot of like heads of, of studios to get his uh, short film for a student film uh, financed, and he reached out to Steven Spielberg, and Steven Spielberg was like, "Hey, you know, we kind of only donate to USC, you know, and if anybody knows USC connection, like 
Ryan Coogler. There's a lot of people, and they they look out for each other in the USC. Um, very well known network. And it's like you know that's like how they shot them down. Like hey, you know we don't donate to NYU. Like dang, bro, you gonna do about a college? But you know he he kept pressing and ended up getting some money from Spielberg for his short film. Oh yeah, he said he took that check and like blew it up and put it on his wall, thinking his in his room. And he said he showed girls like, hey, look what I got going on. Hey, I'm about to be the next big thing, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so. So this was the young actress Sue Young's first and only major screen appearance. I thought she was in um, Rush Hour Three. I didn't see that on IMDb, so I looked. Let's see. Maybe it's another actress. Filmography: Rush Hour. <laughs> I can add as you look for her. I can say that favorite scene. I do like it when she's singing the Mariah Carey song oh, at the yeah. very beginning. That that one's actually hilarious. Yeah, it's very. She's like a, you know a kid just you know in in the moment enjoying it and just doing her thing. Um, Jackie Chan was very nervous about his English speaking lines in the film. He would mm-hmm. he would at times be up like all night, worried about nailing those lines. Wow! And there was even a there was even a scene where they had to actually go back and, and reshoot it later on. Just to, to make it a little bit better. But he was, yeah, very, very nervous. And this is an accomplished actor, but he was most nervous about his English in the film. And that was specifically that scene was a scene when they were talking about, well, my daddy did this. Well, my daddy did that. My father does this. You know, that scene in particular. And, oh, yeah. And Brett was saying that even uh, Chris Tucker, the second time around, understood uh, understood that scene a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And the performance was better. Yes, sir. All right, and that that's it for trivia. Oh, did, was Sue Young? Did she come back, or was, that was it? That was oh, that was it. Just Rush Hour. Like Are you first, just the first Rush Hour? What? That's it. That's the only film. But that's not that's not uncommon. I've seen some child actors. They just do that one movie, one movie. And that's it. Like it's not. They're not looking for a career, and yeah. she wasn't. She was just a real smart kid, and happened maybe I don't know. Her parents got her involved. I forgot she got involved, but you know, she did a great job though. Good job, kid. You dodged a bullet. Hey. Now it's time for filmmaker tips. What you got? So do your research and meet in person. Again, Brett made a genuine appeal to Jackie Chan without overselling the script, which you mentioned before. But that's that's a you know, I think an important thing to do. Don't oversell. I um this probably could have went in trivia a little bit, but um I was wondering how like uh Brett as like, you know, how he was able to get like work so early on, you know, twenty six, twenty seven years old. So he had an agent in place. It, it seemed like he knew Going into school, like, you know, he didn't have any family members that were involved in the industry. So he knew that he had to do extra in order to get into this lane. And so finding an agent, an agent kind of got him involved. And I did not know that he directed Money Talks. And Money Talks is like one of my favorite Chris Tucker films. Sure. And then, and now knowing that Brett directed Money Talks, now I see like going into rush hours, like this is just as funny and I can, I can, you know, it was all about him and Money Talks, but I can see it's like a dialed down version of Money Talks because the Money Talks, there's nothing graphic in there as far as like uh, violence or nudity or anything like that. But the language, you know, they're dropping a lot more uh, foul language in, in Money Talks. But Money Talks rated R? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. And this is PG 13. Yeah. Also, you mentioned Chan's audience is more so kind of that younger audience. Yeah. So that makes sense. It would, it would shift. Plus, they probably could make more. I'm sure it made more. Than oh, talks. most definitely. Um, and yeah, I just like how, yeah, yeah that's kind of more of a trivia thing. Just, you know, he was, you know, got, got his agent in place to kind of get him positioned for certain things. And he mentioned that he wanted to do a um something with jack chan and with with chris tucker but he had that kind of shortcut with with money talks with chris tucker but how am i going to get jack chan involved mm. but that i mean that is actually i mean that's a tip i mean if you're coming into the business you know what kind of route you're going to have to take and have a have a plan to to get there if you yeah. you know don't have a, a direct connect you know figure out how you're going to start making those connections i mean obviously he did a number of music videos which I'm sure helped because he probably, uh, yeah. I wonder if he met Chris Tucker through that heavy D video. <clears throat> Excuse me. I th- hmm. He probably mentioned it in the commentary. Yeah. But, th- um, th- oh yeah. Yeah. You got a point. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was before money talk. So that was, I was just thinking about it. I was like, yeah, mm. I think that was before money talk. Um, that was his actually that was his um that what got him kind of in money talks so with chris tucker um for the heavy d film uh, uh music video he can only offer him like 500 because chris tucker was like oh, let me do it for a thousand he's like, i only got 500 what well, can i have to close in and so he gave him the clothes and the 500 <laughs> and then when that went on and, and went well uh brett gave him the extra 500 like later on uh, and then the money talk situation it was being directed by somebody else but that director got fired because they were not gelling with Chris Tucker. Mm. And then they was like, all right. Chris Tucker's like, hey, I know this cool white boy named Brett. And that's how he was able to get on Money Talk. So Brett go. like kind of talks about how things can kind of go full circle if you're being, you know, nice, good to work with. People will remember that. Makes a difference. People, they will hire people they want to work with, you know. At the, end, at the end of the day. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so another tip is that hearing an actor singing in their own voice helps you like them more. So you just mentioned how you enjoyed yeah. the scene with, with Sue Young singing. Yeah. How you enjoyed that. That's, that's a, that's a thing that happens. Something about hearing, hearing actors sing in their own voice. It, it, um, endears you to them. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I forget about that. Cause the song was a hit. That was a great song. And then, you know, Mariah Carey and hearing her sing along with it, like hitting, hitting the lines. Yeah. Maybe not the notes, but hitting the lines. And it's like, you it's like, Hey, none of us are, you know, professional I'm, singers. Yeah, we're not so mad at that's that. how we would sound, you know, it's like a real person. Oh yeah. Um, Brett talks about surrounding yourself with the best people. So he was like, he likes to have the best editors, the best actors. Um, greatness breeds greatness. So if you have like one of the better DPs or he was talking about the actors that are kind of old later in their career, but they're still active. You know, these people may not be around acting, you know, they might be retired in 20 years and having that, having the ability to be able to work with these people, you know, he's able to learn so much from these great people. Yes, sir. Uh, Shoot reality. Chris and Jackie both told Brett that they liked each other, but couldn't understand each other. Like oh, yeah. each individually said, "Yeah, hey, oh, I like him, but I, I, I can't quite understand him." Right. But 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 that and then and then he used that within the film, absolutely, in, in, in some of their their communication challenges. Uh, this film reminds me of Bad Boys, the first Bad Boys, because they talk about the script in that film where it's not it wasn't really the best. 
But you get the ad-libbing of Martin, the ad-libbing of Will Smith when they're the top of their careers at that time. You know, I mean, they can say anything and it's going to be funny or, or hip or whatever. And they basically talk their way into a good script because the script wasn't the best. And so that's what it reminds me. This film reminds me of Bad Boys in that way. Um, so uh, the, the DP of this film, his name was Adam Greenberg. And uh, Brett talks and he said, this guy has been working, you know, probably 30 years at this point in his career. And he's from Poland. And he said, man, this guy's like a calculator. Like if you, he'll look at a scene, look at his light setup, and he knows exactly how the lighting is going to look with his setup. And usually when that, usually you would see people and they'll do their lighting setup and you have a gaffer do your lights or whatever. Um, the DP would then make its adjustments after those lights up. But this particular DP just knew exactly how this was going to look, which makes it more efficient when you're shooting. Because in comedy, Brett talks about how you have to have a lot of setups. And so being able to work efficiently is very important. So he might be working on this particular setup, but then when you're ready to do the reverse shots, it only taking 10 minutes to match the look that he had on the other side. That's that's amazing because a lot of times you spend a lot of time waiting for setups Yeah, uh, when you're on location and on set. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. So always shoot singles. Uh, Brett mentioned that I think it was in the scene where Chris Tucker was talking to the guy when they were they were kind of in front of the I think the Chinese theater. Oh yeah, and he's talking with his with this guy who's a he acts, but I for, I forget his backstory. But anyway, but in that scene, Brett felt he didn't get enough single shots in. It mm-hmm. caused a, a challenge. So he, he regretted not doing that. So uh, to have kind of more coverage to make the, ed- the edit easier. Yeah. A particular scene, uh, with, I think he mentioned single shots as well, is that it was like the standoff scene with the villain downstairs in the museum. And you see Chris Tucker and I forget the lady's name. That's like semi his partner. Mm-hmm. They're in their own shots, but they're not in the same wide shot with everybody else in the scene. And he used that so as you know, get more coverage and you may not, you want to wait to kind of show the other actors. So you use those single shots in that particular uh, sequence. You got any more? Um, He talks about how uh, Brett talks about how he was well-prepared. He, he knew like the chop, I guess he called the chop sake style uh, of shooting. And that premiered him and basically by him doing all the research he created an american formula using the chop sake style ah okay uh storyboards allow you to shoot what you want but also get some extra so he used storyboards to make sure you have the essential shots but then after that he was free to you know bring and do some some extra things as well knowing that he Mm -hmm. was covered so yeah also have a good line producer um, the line producer asked him, hey, is there something that we need to reshoot? Is there something that, that you know, we might have missed that you want to do? And then Brett had thought about this, the the scene we talked about earlier about them talking about their fathers. Well, my father did this, my father did that. Well, Jack Chan was in his head about the English and Chris Tucker probably was just going through it. Um, he said, I want to reshoot that scene. And line producer was like, okay, cool. And so made that part of the schedule. So that was one of the reshoots that they did. And he's happy he did it because that was a pivotal part of the film. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, usually sound in sound design, they usually make the hero's gun louder than the bad guy's gun. Mm. But in this film, Brett wanted both guns to really be loud. That be that could be considered trivia, but 
just in general in filmmaking, if you kind of want a different kind of effect, you could you could do that. Yeah, and yeah, I, I didn't realize that's one of those subconscious things, like the subtle things that you don't really think about. Yeah, uh, that that will make you believe, like, oh yeah, the good guy is kicking her butt. Right. This kind of, <laughs> I think, I think if they're both loud, then it kind of heightens the sense of of danger. Yeah, like makes you wonder, oh man, they're gonna make it out because the bad guy's guns are <laughs> just as powerful as the good guys. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, Brett says, when I compose a shot, I think, uh, where do I want the audience to look? And he was kind of thinking more about the uh, the anamorphic style that, that it was shot in. And when you're shooting anamorphically, you have more on the left and right. Like, you can put more into a shot when it's anamorphic. Um, so uh, he, he always thinks about where there's 50 different, you know, 50 plus angles that you can kind of choose in one shot. But he was like, hey, this is where I want the audience to look. There's no right or wrong answer in that regard. Yeah, that was the same last tip that I had. So that's all I got for trivia, or excuse me, for tips. Yeah, man. Uh, one of the last tips is that, you know, your film is your resume. You know, whatever you most recently shot or what's available, that's your portfolio piece. Use that to get more work in. Specifically, he was using his short film, um, his short film to kind of get work. And so to any of the filmmakers out there, you know, use that as your portfolio piece and get more work. We've seen that in our own crew of producers and in our film, how they've gone on to get more work using our film as a portfolio piece. Boom. Yes, indeed. And what are we watching next time? Well, as we are in the month of October, as we traditionally like to do here on filmmaker commentary, we're going to dive into some horror movies. Mm -hmm. We're going to take you back to 1987 with monster squad this is gonna be good and you can catch us where facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary please check us out on soundcloud itunes stitcher radio and also spotify give us a like leave us a review we'd love to hear from you we're also on twitter he is at reggie titus i'm at kcg smith 32 we're also on the gram at filmmaker commentary he's at reginald titus jr that's jr and i'm at kcg smith 32 Until next time, peace, respect.